Hey everybody, week one of the anointing. I'm so excited. Thank you for being a part of this podcast. Grab your pen, grab your notebook, and let's jump right in. Week one of the anointing. Tonight we're going to be talking about uh, the topic for tonight is I am anointed. So look at your neighbor and just say, I am anointed. I am anointed. We can't go any deeper than this until we get this concept. You need to understand that you're anointed. Yes. Each and every one of you in this room is anointed. Can I go as far to say, I'm getting ahead of myself, but can I go as far to, hey, as far to say this? It's not just the preacher. It's not just the pastor, the evangelist, the prophet, the apostle. All of these that are anointed, you are anointed. Amen. You hear me tonight? You are anointed. Yes. You are anointed. I want you to get that in your spirit. So I want to ask this question, and here's the first audience participation, which means I'm going to ask for a response. And I'll say, it'll be cricket quiet. <laughs> so what is the anointing? Listen, there's no wrong answer. If it's off, I'm not going to rebuke you in front of everybody, so, so don't, don't feel that. What is the anointing? What is it? What is it? The power of the word working in you. Power of the word working within you. I like that. What is the anointing? It's empowerment. Empowerment to do what you're called to do. Empowerment to do what you're called to do. Okay. It's the tangible Tangible Spirit of God. Oil of the Holy Spirit. Oil of the Holy Spirit. I like it. What is the anointing? If Pastor Chuck is up there preaching and you're saying, man, he is anointed, what are you saying? What are you saying? Okay, I like that. Anybody else before we move on? We're going to get to it, but how about I tell you what it's not? So if you're taking notes, you're going to want to write this down. The anointing is not emotionalism. It is not hype. It is not entertainment. And the anointing, if I'm honest with you, is not popular. It's not common. I'm not saying it shouldn't be common. I'm just saying in today's world, it's not common. The anointing, and this is going to blow some of your girls' theology. You're going to leave. Man, he is so far that just follow me. The anointing is not jumping. It's not shouting, it's not clapping, it's not running, it's not dancing. Those are fruit or byproducts of the anointing. They are not the anointing. You follow me? We're, we're going to get good. And the last one, the anointing is not goosebumps. Nick, we've talked about this many times, but it's, it's not goosebumps. I can be watching football and see a great play and totally change the game and get goosebumps. I promise you, the NFL is not anointed. So goosebumps are not, they, they can be, I'm not saying that they're not. There, there has been times in my own life when someone is very operating in a heavy anointing where the, the hair on my arms are standing up, the hair on the back of my neck standing up, I've got goosebumps. So I'm not saying it can't be, but it's not every time you get goosebumps, the anointing's present. All right, you follow me? So let's... Uh, Let's do this. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. Isaiah chapter 10, verses 27. All righty. Isaiah 10, 27. Someone wouldn't mind read it out to me. 
while a couple people read, so we read a couple of translations. Isaiah 10, 27. I got it. She, she, mom's going to go first. She goes, no, she, I got it. She beat you to it. <laughs> okay. I'm going to read out of the NIV, verse 27. In that day, their burden will be lifted from your shoulders, their yoke from your neck. The yoke will be broken because you have grown so fat. All right. What translation was that? NIV. All right. Let's get another translation. All right. That's what I'm looking for. I knew you were doing it. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Because of what? The anointing oil. All right. Let's get some more translations. One more. Let's get one more. MEV. Yep. Uh, in that day, his burden shall be taken away from off your shoulder, and his yoke from off your neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Because of the anointing. Uh, notice that none of those translations said that it will be destroyed because of the gift. Right. Right. Does anybody's translation say that? I want you to look at it. Does anybody's translation say the yoke shall be destroyed because of the gift? Anybody? Here's where we have messed up in the body of Christ. We have nobody that teaches the anointing anymore. We have a generation that does not know what the anointing is, know how to get the anointing on their life, how to walk in it, and what it looks like. This is why when we see jumping and clapping and dancing, everybody immediately thinks the anointing's in the room. No. It's a fruit or a byproduct of it, right? My people are destroyed because of what? Lack of knowledge. But you have no room after you leave this fourth week, you are now held accountable, all right? You now have knowledge, so then you can't be destroyed. Hallelujah. This is why we have churches. This is why we have people in the body of Christ honoring and rewarding emotionalism, honoring and rewarding entertainment, honoring and rewarding hype, and giftings over anointing. Because nobody knows what the anointing is. So when someone gets up there and shreds the guitar, the first thing out of our mouth says, man, they are anointed. Follow someone gets, someone gets up there on the drums and kills the drums. Man, they are anointed. Someone gets up there and reads a quote that they heard from a preacher on Instagram four days ago, and it's good, and you say, man, they are anointed. It's just a gift. You've got to be careful. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this enough. Write this down. The gift isn't enough in all caps. Write it, underline it, highlight it. The gift is not enough. If all you do is live your life with just the gift and no oil, you will spiritually kill yourself. The gift is not enough. I want you to write that down and highlight it. Let's go to our next passage of Scripture. Luke chapter 4. Verses 14 through 19. I'm going to be writing up a lot of scriptures, so if you didn't get it, you can just follow it. Wow. I'm a preacher. I'm not a teacher, so if my handwriting gets crooked and you can't read it, I apologize. Luke chapter 4, verse 14 through 19. If I can have three people read it, three different translations. Luke 4, 14 through 19. 
And Jesus, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of, of him through all of the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues and be glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where, Nazareth, where he had bought up. And his custom was he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to, for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Esaias. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to de preach deliverance to the captives, and to recover sight to the blind, and set liberty to them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. We can take all day and break that thing down. Uh, two more people, but let's just read uh, 18 and 19. Two more people to read 18 and 19. Luke 4, 18 and 19. What translation was that? King James. King James. King James. That's Pastor Parsons' book. Wow. All right. Two more people. I have NIV. Okay. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good to the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recover the sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's why I like reading different translations because some of them use different words. YLT. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Awesome. Notice uh, in verse 14. So let's go to verse 14. I want you to look at this. Notice in the 14th verse the word power is used in connection with the Holy Ghost. Then notice in the connection with the Holy Spirit, there was first the word power in verse 14 and then the word anointed in verse 18. Jesus said this in verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon who? Say it's on me. It's on you. He didn't say the Spirit of the Lord is upon the preacher. But the Spirit of the Lord is upon the prophet. The Spirit of the Lord is upon the evangelist. So he said... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Mm -hmm. So when you read that, you're telling yourself, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because He has anointed me. So the Spirit of the Lord is upon you because He has anointed you. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, Jesus. I'm not trying not to get preaching. <laughs> so God anointed Jesus primarily to do two things according to this entire verse. To preach and to heal. To preach and to heal. So let's break down this passage again. Verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why is the Spirit of the Lord upon me? Because He has anointed me to preach the gospel. So He's saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Why? Because He has anointed you. Why has He anointed you? Keep in mind, I want you to understand, this is for everybody. So the Spirit of the Lord is upon you because He has anointed you. You. And the reason He's anointed you is to do this. Preach the gospel. So every one of you in this room are to preach the gospel. Preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent to heal the brokenhearted. That's for every one of you in this room. To preach deliverance to the captives. That's for every one of you in this room. And recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. So that's for each and every one of you on the sound of my voice. That goes for each and every one of you. God's desire for you is to be anointed. 
You've got to get that today. God's desire for you is to be anointed. He's not sitting on His throne and saying, well, if it just so happens, mm -hmm. they get anointed, then I guess it just happens. No, His desire is for you to fulfill, verse 18. Yeah. Yeah. His desire is for the Spirit of the Lord to come upon you so that you can be anointed and do the works that we just read in verse 18. So now that you know it's His desire, you can no longer say, God, if it's your will for me to be anointed. No, no, no. It's His desire. So He's done His part. He's waiting on a people that say, God, I know it's Your desire to anoint me and for Your Spirit to fall upon me. I'm here to say yes. Follow me. It's His desire to anoint you. It's His desire. And I'm going to be talking a little bit about something about Jesus' ministry for a little bit. I'm going to turn my timer off because I'm already waiting behind time. Uh, so, I want you to really follow me in this. When we talk about the ministry of Jesus here on earth, most people respond with this. Well, yes, He was able to do that. Of course He was able to do that. He was the Son of God. Mm -hmm. Of course He was, wasn't He? Mm -hmm. yeah. But I want you to follow me. However, we fail to realize... you got to get this if you're taking notes. However, we fail to realize... That he as the Son of God was one thing, and he as a person was another thing. He did not minister as the Son of God. He was ministering as a mere man anointed by the Holy Ghost. i got to say that again. He did not minister as the Son of God. He, he was the Son of God, but he ministered as a man possessed by the Holy Ghost. Yes. Oh, hell, that's good. <laughs> yeah. I want you to honestly stop and think about this for a second. We use that excuse all the time. Of course Jesus was able to heal the sick. Of course Jesus was able to raise the dead. Of course He was the Son of God. He was the Son of God, but He was just as much man as He was yes, God. He was. <laughs> so that in His ministry as the Son of God, He was, but while He's ministering, He's ministering as a man like you and I just possessed with the Holy Ghost. Yes. Just anointed by God. Sure. Are you following me? Yes. Yes. So I want you to really think about that. So let's read this whole passage again that we just read. Jesus, he's in his hometown. I'm, I'm going to kind of summarize it. Jesus is in his hometown in Nazareth on the Sabbath, Sabbath day. He goes to the synagogue and he's given a scroll. And this is what it reads in verse 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now let's read verse 20. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And what does he do immediately? And the eyes of all of them that were around in the synagogue were fastened on him. <laughs> oh, help me. So he gets anointed... He's reading this and saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. And as he's reading the scroll, he shuts his book, he sits down, and the moment he reads this, he has the attention of every single person in the room. Mm. <laughs> That's what the anointing will do if Jesus. you operate in it. Yes, sir. Yeah. He closed the book, he sat down, and it says all of them were fastened to him. If you've got two pieces of Velcro and you stick them together and you hold them out, they're stuck. They were fastened on him. They were glued to him. There was no one that couldn't look at Jesus and say, something was different about it. Mm -hmm. yes. From the time he walked into the synagogue to the time he read that, something shifted, something yeah. changed. Yeah. Are you following me, church? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So after he finishes reading, he gave the scroll back to the ministry, sat down, and immediately they were fastened to him. And I believe that in that moment he started teaching. Mm -hmm. That's just what I believe. 
I believe that he had already had an audience, and I believe he said, I've got an audience. Let me go ahead and step in what was just imparted into me. Mm. That's just what I believe, but I'm, I'm not a theologian, so I can definitely be wrong. And let's go to verse 21. And he began to say unto them, This day in the Scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Mm. This day. Somebody shout this day. This day. And so if Jesus... Oh, I want you to understand this. If Jesus had been ministering as the Son of God prior to this, why would He have needed to be anointed? If up to this point Jesus had been ministering as the Son of God, why would He have had to be anointed? That's good. The reason He needed to be anointed was because He was a man and He needed to be possessed with the Holy Spirit so that He could minister as a man. Are you following me? Let's keep going. So he obviously, if he was ministering as the Son of God, he simply wouldn't have needed to be anointed. You understand? Or, let's think of it this way. Or if he had been ministering as God manifested in the flesh, would God then have to needed to be anointed? Some, some people will say that. You know, he was ministering as God in the flesh. Da, 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 da. Well, if he was ministering as God in the flesh at that moment, why would God have to be anointed? He wouldn't have. That's because he wasn't ministering as God. Are you following me? Yeah. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. Are you all getting anything? Yes, sir. Yes. Philippians 2, 7. Three people can read three different translations. Philippians 2, 7. I got 2, 7. But what, made, what translation? The King, uh, King James. Okay. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him that form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Hmm. Made in the likeness of men. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, another translation. Amplified, but emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality and his rightful dignity by assuming the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men. He became completely human and was without sin, being fully God and fully man. Became completely human. One more translation. King James. Uh, we've already got King James. We've got King James Amplified. Go ahead. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Are we getting the overall theme wow. of this passage? There's many other translations as I was studying this. Uh, other translations say that he laid aside or stripped himself of his mighty power and glory. So he laid aside, he stripped himself of his mighty power and glory. And then he came into the world, even though he was the Son of God, you got to understand, he stripped himself and laid himself the power and the glory until he was anointed. So when he entered the earth, he was fully man and fully God. Are you following me? Mm -hmm. I want to make sure we understand this. So Jesus, this, this thought, you, you'll probably have to go back and listen to this because you, when I say this, you're going to be like, okay, he's so far off. Just follow me. Jesus was just as much the Son of God when he was 21 years old mm -hmm as he was when he was 30 years old. Yeah. Yeah. He was just as much the Son of God from 21 to 30 years old, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. 
Yet, he never healed a person or performed a miracle. <coughs> we know this because, because obviously this is what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that Jesus was anointed after he was baptized. The, baptized, or the story says that he was baptized and the, the dove came upon him and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Other translations will say the Spirit of the Lord anointed him. So I want you to, I want you to remember this. He was baptized uh, by John and Jordan, and the Holy Spirit came upon him. You can find this in Luke 3.22 if you're taking notes. And God then spoke from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And you can find that in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. What was the first miracle that Jesus performed? If you know it, just shout it. Water into wine. Water into wine. Where was it set? Canaan. Wedding of Canaan. We've got some, we got some Bible, Bible readers in here. I like it. So his first miracle was at the wedding of Cana when he turned the water into wine. So the first miracle he ever did was after he became anointed. Now this is the Son of God, right? He came just as much God and just as much man, and yet the first miracle he performed was when he was baptized and the Holy Ghost came upon him in anointed. So if Jesus, help me church, if Jesus could not operate, or, or I don't want to say could not, but if Jesus did not, Complete a miracle, a healing, a deliverance until he was anointed. What makes us think we can without the oil? Jesus. Jesus. So Jesus himself, big bad himself, Jesus, if he waited until he was anointed and filled the Holy Ghost until he operated in what he knew he could have, why did he wait until that moment? Because he knew that I need the oil, I need the Holy Ghost to operate in this level of ministry. And so that's my question to you. What makes you think you can operate in this level and depth of, of, of ministry without the anointing? Why? Why? We're going to get into giftings and anointing, but we're just laying foundation. Is everybody enjoying this? Yes. yes. So the first miracle that Jesus did, was it after or before he was baptized? After. after. <clears throat> I want you to write that down. After. After Jesus was baptized. So Jesus had to be anointed before he could heal. Because remember as we read in Philippians. That he laid aside his mighty power and glory as the son of God. When he became fully man. Mm -hmm. Although in person he was the son of God. In power he was not the son of God. Oh help me Jesus. So in person, he was the Son of God, but he had not given the power of the yeah. Son of God until the anointing of the Holy Ghost came out. Are you following me? Mm -hmm. So do you see what I'm saying? He was the Son of God in person, but he didn't receive the power of the Son of God until the anointing and the Holy Ghost came upon him. So once again, if Jesus needed to be anointing, anointed to operate in this level of ministry, what makes us think that we don't need this same oil in our lives? Good. When people say this, People say this, and I mentioned this. Well, yes, but Jesus was the Son of God. You know, that puts, that what we, what we don't understand is when we say that excuse, I'll call it, uh, Jesus is the Son of God, what you have done, and you put Him in a ministry class all by Himself. Yeah. I want you to follow me. And so that would mean that nobody could effectively minister the way that He did or even come close to it. Yes. So when you say, of course Jesus could, he's the son of God, you just put his level of ministry up here and said, I, I, can, never, I can never get there. Wow, that's good. Follow that's me, good. I want you to think of that thought. Mm -hmm. I want you to keep that thought in mind. Now as a person, 
Because he is the Son of God, he is in a class all by himself. None of us in this room are the Son of God. Can we admit that? Yeah. All right, we're, we're getting somewhere. He's, uh, 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 he is the Son of God. He is in a class by himself and always will be. However, as a person, he's in a class all by himself. But in ministry, he is not in a class all by himself. Mm -hmm. I want you to follow me. You want to know why? Let's turn to John chapter 14, verse 12. John chapter 14, verse 12. Some of you all can probably quote this scripture off the top of your memory. John 14, 12. Uh, three people will read it for me. Three different translations. Yep. Perfect. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. The greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. <laughs> she said greater works. What else? Give me two more translations. That was a new King James. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me will do the works that I do also. And he will do greater works than these, because I am going to my Father. One more. The, what translation was that? Um, That's another Pastor Parsi Bible. You just take it over. <laughs> <laughs> I, got that. I got one. One more translation. One more, one more. Can you read the Amplified for me? You don't mind to. John uh, 14, verse 12. I want to get another translation. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, anyone who believes in me, as Savior will also do the things that I do, and he will do even greater things than this in extent and outreach, because I am going to the Father. Notice that every all three of them have that same word, greater. Mm -hmm. Greater. So we can agree that Jesus' ministry was his works. That's what he's talking about. Can we agree with that? So when he's saying, you shall do greater works, he's saying, you shall do greater ministry than what I did. Therefore, Jesus works... I want you to get this. I want you to take notes if you're writing this down. Are everybody ready to write this down? Jesus works. Jesus' ministry was his works. Therefore, Jesus' works were in a class by themselves. So many people that believe this. Uh, hold on, let me write this down. Therefore, Jesus. I got tongue tied. Therefore, Jesus were in a class all by themselves, as so many people believe. If so many people believe that, then he would have just told a lie. Mm -hmm. Because if, if Jesus' ministry was in a class all by itself and nobody could reach that, mm -hmm. he would have not said, you shall do the same works and greater as me. Yeah. That's right. yeah. That's right. So if that's what he was saying, then Jesus told a lie. And he's not a man that he should lie. Right. So, what, so when you say, of course he did that. He's the son of God. What you have just did is you have renounced the authority and the power of God that you're capable of walking with. Yes, Why? Because when you do that, you put his ministry in a class that can never be reached. That's good. When he just said, you're going to not only do what I did, but you're going to do greater than what I did. So what he's saying is, my ministry is your, your well, my ceiling is your floor if you're willing to go with me. So let's stop saying, well, of course he can do that. He's the son of God. So can you. So can you. You've got the same oil. You got the same Holy Ghost. You said the same yes. yes. Are you following me? Yes. yes. This is what he said. He said, the works that I do, he that, what, believes in me. Mm -hmm. So don't try to do these works if you don't believe. Hallelujah. Right, right, right. Believes in me shall do also and even greater works shall you do. Mm -hmm. 
So, so after reading this, we see that Jesus did not put his ministry in a class by themselves. This concept is not understood because we have been religiously brainwashed and we can never reach the potential that Jesus was. We've been brainwashed into believing that there is no need to pursue Jesus because He's the Son of God and I can never minister or never reach to that level of ministry. That's good. And so in believing that thought, we have missed ministry entirely. We've said, we go, we'll, go into, we'll go into a ministry meeting and say, Jesus did this, Jesus did that, Jesus did this, Jesus did that. And we'll say, well, you know, that's great that Jesus did that. But He's the Son of God. I can never reach that potential. And what you just did is you just said, okay, you know what? I never can reach that potential. Oh. And so you have just limited the call and the ministry on your life because you put yeah. His ministry in class all by himself. Forgive me. If parents are in here and have children in the archive, they need to go get them. Okay. No. You can go and bring them here. <laughs> so in believing this, we have missed out on the full gospel. I'm going to close with this. <laughs> that doesn't mean I'm going to be closing in two minutes. That just means the airplane's landing. So. <laughs> We're going to close with looking at Jesus in the fossil ministry. I got a joke for you. What's it mean when a preacher says, I'm almost done? You got about another hour. Another hour. Uh, what does it mean when a preacher closes his Bible? No. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's look at Jesus in the fivefold ministry. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. Are y'all having fun tonight? Yes. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. I want to make sure we're all there. Ephesians 4.8. There's not a second Ephesians, so don't be looking for it. <laughs> Amplified, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he bestowed gifts on men. New King James says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. One more. One more. NIV says, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Hmm. Wow. He gave gifts to men. So those fivefold ministry gifts are what? Shout them out. Not the same person. Let's just pop corn. Apostle. Prophet. Teacher. Alright, one more. Evangelist. I want you to write all of these down. Oh, Jesus. Whew. I guess it's T.L.E. Oh, my <laughs> this is why I have a secretary, a.k.a. my wife. Do we have them all? Everybody have them written down? Yeah. <coughs> so you need to know 
that throughout Scripture, Jesus stood in all fivefold ministry gifts. Jesus stood in all five of these. There were moments he operated in this, moments he operated in this, 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 and this. Yes. Are we following? Yes. So if Jesus operated in all these, why can't you? That's good. Now, That's good. let me say this. When this is involved, so is this. Oh yeah. Mm. That's good. That's good. That, that, that wasn't even part of my notes, but that's good. Huh. So that's so good. when you're in a service and this is in operation, this person or this person or this person or this person shouldn't be jealous and say, I need my turn. Mm. I need my turn. Mm. No, you won't understand the gifts that are in the room and you want them. Yeah. Yes, that's right. right. Yes. That's not even part of the notes, but it's good. So Jesus operated on all five-fold ministry gifts. Do we agree? Yes. And I'm going to prove it to you, so if you didn't, it's all right. You'll, you'll understand after this. So when he operated as an apostle, I want you to write this down. We're not going to, you don't have to go to every one of them, but I'm going to read it for you. Write down Hebrews 3.1. You don't have to go there because I'm going to read it. And this, I'm going to go and break down what not only each one of these are, but I'm going to show you how Jesus, the, the proof basically that Jesus operated in all five. Hebrews 3.1 reads, Wherever holy brethren partakers of the heavenly calling consider this apostle, Jesus, and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. So they just called him apostle. So therefore he operated in the apostle. Let me tell you what an apostle is. So if you're if you're taking notes, I want you to write. This is going to be a lot, but you can go back and watch it. Dream, uh, uh, dream awakeners or apostles are in the kingdom of God. This is another word for them: is dream awakeners. Um, th these are kind of some definitions that I gave them. So you may have not really ever heard this before, but I like to call these people the dream awakeners. They awaken people to their call to the God-given design potential. They're instrumental in people discovering who they really are and not just leaving them, but walking alongside them to until they get there. That's good. They forge new paths in the kingdom and are catalysts for change in wherever they go. That's the apostle. And I'm going to go over these, and at the end of, uh, oh, that's why, is this, has everybody signed the sign-in sheet? Because here's why. At the end, uh, tomorrow or tonight, I'm going to email every single one of you a um, spiritual gift test, one that I love. They're going to take these spiritual gift, this test. You'll so have to say mine to somebody else. I don't have That's all right. Uh, we can get it to you. If you don't have an email, we can get it to you. Mail we'll send a carrier pigeon or something. <laughs> so if... So if you have your email, I'm going to send you a spiritual gift test, and here's why. I want you to take this test because, for instance, if this is where your spiritual gift is, you've got to understand where that is and what that's for. Because you could think this is it, but this be it. Or you could think this is it, and this is it. And you're trying to operate in this when God's called you to this. And you're wondering why there's no fruit. Now, there can be moments, there can be moments, that someone can operate in, in multiple gifts. Yeah. It's not, okay, you, you're you anointed in the prophetic. That's You can't leave this. However, I have never seen 
And I don't know if it's possible. I've never seen someone operate in all five in the same setting. Now, there have been times I've seen someone operate in multiple. I think there's the most I've ever seen operating the same person in the same setting is three. But I've never seen all four. And I'm not, I don't know if it's possible, but I'm, I'm just saying that that's all I've seen. So if, 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 someone, if someone comes to you and says, oh, I've operated in all five many a times, they're probably fine. So let's just take it as a, take it as a great stand and just move on. So, number two, profit. Oh, help me, Jesus. Jezebel don't like these people. My toes. Luke 4.24. Sword sweet. No prophet is accepted in his own country. Just call him prophet. Here's what prophets are. They are heart revealers in the kingdom of God. They are effective in revealing God's heart for his people wherever they go. They can accurately discern God's heart for, any, for multiple situations. They help people experience God's voice for the first time, but don't just leave them hanging they help them experience God's verse for the first time and then help them develop hearing the voice of God in their own life. And this is where these people fell in the church. They'll give them a prophetic word and say, see you later. And here will they'll come. That person will come back three weeks later. I need a word. They'll come back four weeks later. I need a word. Why? Because you gave them a word and then you never taught them to go hear the voice of God yourself. These aren't the only people that can hear the voice of God. All these people came. But this is why these people are so worn out in the body of Christ. Because we just come to them like this. Yes, sir. Good. Just, just, Good just like word. This. And these people are exhausted. Why? Because all these other people are looking for a word that all of these are capable to get on their own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Evangelist. Luke 4, 18. Luke 4.18, which is what we're reading, so you should probably get that one. Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. Preaching the gospel falls under this. No. This one, uh, I want you, there, there's a, this is honestly, what I think, this is what's lacking the most in the body of Christ. Why? Because nobody wants to go out to the worst parts of the area to live people. Everybody wants the mic, 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 mic in the spotlight. But ain't nobody want to go down in the dirt and the mud and go to the people that these people are afraid to go get. That's right. That's why these people are lacking. That's good. But I believe God's raising them up. Yes. Yes. These evangelists, they are uh, storytellers in the kingdom of God. These, these are the kind of people that could win a rock over to Jesus. Yes. Yeah. These are the kind of people that could look at that wall and somehow that wall will get saved. <laughs> these are just the people that. I, I don't know, and it's just it's just a gift. It's, it's an office, and it's a special anointing. There's people that these people can talk to, and the, the person that this person won will cuss them out, do all these things, but then this person will go talk to them, and then they'll, they'll become the church. Next thing you know, you know, uh, they're Brandon Douglas, and they're one of these yes. themselves. Yes, and amen. Yes, and amen. So these are storytellers in the kingdom of God. They make the stories of Jesus' remarkable goodness and love famous. They are carriers of good news and partners with Jesus in celebrating people's transformation. So these aren't only the people that go get them, but these are the people that celebrate their transformation. Yeah. They stir curiosity and desire to know Jesus. 
These are the people that when they grab a mic, the people that have been saved for 20 years, these are the people that are like, wow. I've heard that for so long and now it's making sense. They've stirred curiosity. Their life is a living invitation to all to join the family of God. So this is this is the person, and I'll be honest, I have a hard, I have a hard time doing this. I, I can do this to people that I know, but it's sometimes it's hard for me to walk up to a stranger that I don't know and do this. But I, the Lord's working with me on that. But we have to understand that we're all called to this. We're all called to operate. Some of us are called to operate. You know, we're all called to operate in something. But I believe we're all called to this. This is the gospel yes. right here. So don't yes. say, I'm, my office is the apostolic or the prophetic. I can leave the evangelistical to the evangelist. No, you've missed the whole gospel if you're thinking about it. That's good. Pastor John chapter 10 verse 14. Are we getting anything? Yes. Sir. John 10 14. Short and sweet. I am the good shepherd. Short and sweet and to the point. A shepherd is another word for pastor. So he's saying I am the good shepherd. Pastors are soul healers in the kingdom of God. They're instrumental in guiding people through brokenness back to wholeness and healing their soul from wounds that keep them where they are. They create a safe atmosphere of family and belonging. They bring fun and enjoyment to God's ministry and allow people to feel like they're a part of something bigger than them. This is pastors. Teacher, Matthew 9.35. Another thing that people don't like. Because they correct their theology. That's why people want Matthew 9.35. He went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues. Pretty simple. He went about teaching in their synagogues. So he's teaching. He's operating in his office. Teachers, they are light givers in the kingdom of God. They bring things to light. Um, they are the kind of people that you read a scripture that you've read a hundred times and never understood it or never got something out of no reading. You're like, oh my Lord, I've read that a hundred times and never understood it. They are light givers in the kingdom of God. They make the truth and knowledge about God accessible to all. They have an ability for breaking confusion, breaking misinformation, correcting theology. They are strategic in helping people know the truth of God and how it applies to their own. I want you to get this. All of these make up what? The body. So that tells me all of these anointings, all of these things have to be in operation in the body. So, I'm going to look this way. If a church person um, ministry allows this to be an operation, 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 and shuts this down, the body cannot function. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To see the full gospel be manifested in your city, the pastor needs the evangelist, the evangelist needs the teacher, the teacher needs the prophet, the prophet needs the apostle, the apostle needs the pastor. It's a circle. It's to make up the body. And so I want you to I want you to get an illustration. Let's say this is the head, this is an arm, that's an arm, that's a leg, and that's a leg. So I want you to look at a mannequin. If I take off an arm, is this a full body? Yeah. Well, hold on. I got one, two, I got I got four left. Why is it not full body? Because there's something missing. 
Are you following me? Yeah. yeah. So in, in order for a church to be healthy, in order for a ministry to be healthy, all of these have to be present. Why? Because there's things that each one of these ministry gifts that somebody else cannot do. Does that make sense? The evangelist can reach people that the prophet can't. The prophet can reach people that the teacher can. The teacher can reach people the apostle can. And the apostle can reach people that the pastor can. Are you following me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's, let's move on. You need to understand that there is an anointing that goes with each of these offices. We call these the ministry gifts, but these are anointings. Okay? The apostolic anointing, prophetic anointing, teacher anointing, evangelist anointing, Pastor anointing. These are anointings. So in order for you to operate in one of these, you need the oil for that assignment. So, if when you take your uh, spiritual gift test and this, this is your uh, uh, area, then you have to ask God for the anointing to fill that area. Yeah. Don't ask Him for the anointing of the prophet. Mm -hmm. Ask Him for the anointing of this. That's where you'll be the most fruitful, whatever that is. There's an anointing that goes with each of these offices. If you function in your office, I want you to write this down. If you function in your office, the anointing will be there. Yeah. If you function in your office, I promise the anointing will meet you right there. Mm. But if you go to function in an office and you feel no oil, you need to get to another office because that's not where you belong. The anointing will meet you there. It can become stronger, it can be increased, and yes, you can cause it to be decreased. But I believe tonight, and this is why I'm really closing, I believe tonight that I'm looking at a group of people individually and corporately that carry an anointing. And I believe that all five of these are in this room, right here, or right now. I don't just say that lightly. I believe that they are all in this room. Do you believe that? Yes, I believe that the prophetic's in this room. Yes. I believe that apostolic's in this room. I believe the pastor's in this room. I believe the teachers in this room. I believe the evangelist is in this room. Everyone under the sound of my voice, you are anointed and you operate in at least one of these. So don't leave this room saying, man, Isaac taught so well. But I, I, I don't know. No, you are anointed and you are guaranteed one of these. Guaranteed one of these. I need you to understand and get in your spirit that you are anointed. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I'm anointed. I'm and then look back at the other neighbor and say, you're anointed. And I need you to understand this. I don't just need your anointing. This city needs your anointing. This church needs the oil on your life. This state needs the oil on your life. And by God, this nation needs the oil in your life. Amen. So sit no longer and say, the preacher can do that. The pastor can do that. The evangelist, the prophet, the apostle can do it. No, baby, you can do it. That's right. Why? Because the same oil that operates in all of these gifts and operates in Jesus, he said, you're going to do greater works. So hold on tight. You're about to do greater. Come on, I said, you're about to do greater. Hallelujah. Greater than any eye has seen, than any ear has heard, nor has it even entered into the heart of man the things that God has desired for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. This city needs what's on your life. This city needs what's on your life. We'll just bow our heads and close in prayer. Father, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. We honor you. I ask that every word that went forth tonight, God, 
and it would fall on good soil and produce great fruit. If anything that I said, God, does not align with your word, I ask that it would be removed by the ears of this room and that you would speak straight truth. Father, may your truth be what prevail. Not man's opinions, not man's theology, but God, may the truth of Jesus that's found in your word be what's exposed in these four weeks. Father, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.